Good evening, Rifters. This is Rifts and Rules, the 5e D&D podcast where we go through the many 5e books and talk about various rules to enhance your gameplay experience. I'm Nathan, the Dungeon Master of Riftwake. And I'm Remy, on Riftwake as Morris. Today's topic is creating a character. So Remy, how does one create a character? Basically... Wherever you want to. So to create a character to play in a Dungeons & Dragons game, you can either have an idea in mind of what kind of character you want to do, like, I just want to be a dwarf that hits things with an axe, and then just figure out the details from there. Or if you want to, you can have the idea of, oh, I just want to be a... edgy kind of rogue who hides in the shadows what race do you want to be i don't know i don't really care i'll figure that part out later but if you have an archetype in mind of a character you want to do then you could absolutely just flesh that out or if you want to you could just roll dice and come up with everything totally randomly this is yet another situation of there not really being a wrong way to necessarily create the character I would say that of the couple of features that are included in character creation, the most important of which would be your class, because that's what really creates the mechanical aspect of your character. I would argue that. I would say less so than actually the class is the role that you want your character to play. A lot of classes in 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons are more versatile in what role they actually play. Whether they are a melee attacking type character, whether they are a ranger with a bow or a magic user that attacks from range, or a support character, whether that is a healer or someone who casts support uh, buff-type spells for your allies or debuffs on your enemies. The role, I would say, matters more than the class, per se. I would agree to that, in which the role that you can play often isn't really influenced by your class by a massive extent, since a lot of classes have multiple um, subclasses that you can get into at higher levels however um, mechanics wise i'm saying that the character is influenced by their class in regards to where the numbers go that's a point but yeah so when you're making a character from scratch it's good to just have an idea of what role you want your character to play so that you can decide what class is most suited to the style that you want to do So for a melee-type character, you can be a rogue with his dagger or short swords. You could be a fighter with a sword and shield or a big honking weapon of some kind or other. A barbarian, which also actually has a bit more versatility than many expect. Uh, You could be a hexblade warlock and be magically enhanced to be able to deal with the rigors of being up close and personal. So a range character is definitely the largest category. Any character can just pick up a rock and throw it at your enemy. But technically speaking, from the more practical side of things, any character that uses a ranged weapon, any character that uses ranged spells, all of them fall into the range damage category. So that is everything from rangers to rogues that use a bow, fighters that use a bow, 
Uh, I mean, even a barbarian could technically have a javelin focus if they wanted to. Every single spellcaster has the ability to act at range. So if you want to be a range damage character, you absolutely are in the category with the most options to choose from. Now, support, I would say, is probably the most underrepresented and underappreciated category. They are the various people and classes that help keep the party alive and help them succeed in their endeavors, whether that is healers like a cleric or paladin or celestial warlock, or whether that is more in buffing, like a bard, or a cleric for that matter, uh, casting spells like Bless or Guidance, or the various, various abilities that classes can have to help your allies and hinder your enemies. Support really is important in the game. Honestly, I would say that when making the character, picking your role is definitely the first thing to decide on, Next after that is your race. So your character's race influences the stat point bonuses that you get in order to be good at the things that you want to be good at. So there is actually an argument within the D&D community whether you want to pick a race specifically to maximize the things you're good at or whether you want to pick a race for the roleplay potential. And... Like most debates, this is one where both sides have excellent points. So if you want to pick a race that is stat-appropriate, if you are a bow-using character, then it makes sense to pick an elf as your race because they get a two-point bonus to dexterity score as well as automatic proficiency or the ability to use longbows and shortbows. So if you want to be a character that uses a bow, that would make sense. And it is also thematically appropriate because of the popularity of that trope. So that is actually an example where both sides support the argument. (laughs) On the other hand, if you wanted to be something like a gnome barbarian, it is not necessarily statistically advantageous to pick that race. On the other hand, it creates interesting roleplay opportunities. In what situation does a gnome grow up to focus on their strength to the point of being a barbarian that is very, very good at hitting things? So you have a fun story potential with that type of character. And wow, I feel like I already have said this sentence a lot, but it is appropriate. Both sides are right. And just pick the race that supports whatever type of character you want to play, whether that is for the statistics or for the story potential. Pick what makes you happy. And as for backgrounds, well, these are rather important for the player uh, as they actually give the character a bit of flavor to the mechanics. For example, there is the Acolyte, which gives you a feature that, generally speaking, won't be used mechanically, but can be used in a roleplay role play scenario. In this case, it gives you Shelter of the Faithful, which means that 
you can receive free healing and care from a temple. And there are other similar role-playing aspects to the background. Included with this, there are a couple role-playing hints and tips for new players, such as personality traits, ideals, bonds, and flaws that the player can have so as to better understand their starter character. Last but not least, let's head on to the stats, shall we? Indeed. There are many different ways on how to get the stats for your character. So there are six stats in 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons. Strength, self-explanatory, I think. Dexterity, how nimble is your character. Constitution, how resilient, how tough is your character. Intelligence, what it says on the tin. Wisdom, how observant is your character. And charisma, how persuasive or charming is your character. To get these stats... D&D has got quite a few different options on how to go about it. Uh, The classic way is to roll to get your stats. You roll four six-sided dice and then drop the lowest number, which in theory will give you a range from 3 to 18, and you repeat that for all six of the stats and arrange them how you like to create the character that you want to play. Some Dungeon Masters also do a little bit of extra help to the players in that sometimes we'll say, well, if you roll, let's say, less than a six, we'll let you do a re-roll. Because playing a stat that low makes it kind of difficult. Once you're done, you will have somewhere between a three and 18, although hopefully more than the three, in all six of your stats. Besides the ability to roll, there is another option called point buy, where all stats are set at a default of 8, and a character is given 27 points to put into the various stats to raise them up in whatever stat they want their character to be focused in. However, as the number goes higher, it costs more points to raise any individual stat higher and higher. So you are limited in how high you can make a stat. The default point by configuration for 5th edition actually maxes out that you cannot put any single stat above a 15. So in theory, you can potentially get higher stats by rolling stats instead of using the point by, but... It is very much luck-dependent, and the point-by system does at least guarantee that you have a competent character, even if not necessarily at the highest end of the potential bell curve. And finally, you have the standard array of stats, where instead of having any particular points to put them, you just have a list of 15, 14, 13, 12, 10, and 8 that you put into your stats. You just arrange them how you prefer, add whatever bonus you get for your race, and that is it. It is definitely the fastest way to make a character, it is the simplest way to make a character, but it is the least controlled way of making a character, which means it at least in my opinion, can feel slightly stale to 
not have that extra level of control. Again, this next statement is just personal opinion, but I like rolling for stats because it is such randomness that it is, well, at least in my opinion, creates a more human-feeling character, for lack of a better term. And I personally prefer the point-by system, as point-by allows for slightly more controlled and maybe perhaps fair games. Fair enough. And that is absolutely true. You can have terrible luck when rolling stats if luck works against you. And I have certainly had that happen as well. That'll be it for today. See you on Tuesday. Thanks for listening to this episode of Riffs and Rules. Please give us five stars on iTunes. Also, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast. Supporters get benefits such as behind-the-scenes content, early access to episodes, access to Patreon Discord, where you will be able to chat with the cast, and even a shout-out on the show. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Riffwake Podcast, on Facebook as Riffwake, and on Reddit at the subreddit r slash Podcast. Thank you for listening.